the most trusted source for top-to-bottom coverage of everyone's favorite mid-90s animated program, Gargoyles. Yeah, like that. I'm your host, Daniel Williams. And I am your other host, Liz Zirkel. Oh boy, Liz, we're back. Yep. I don't know. How's it feel? (laughs) Feels better than last week. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Today, we're covering Gargoyles Season 2, Episode 43, Future Tense. Now, this episode aired April 25th, 1996. Liz, you'll notice that's a two-month break. Wow. Yeah, what happened? Spring break, y'all. That's a weird time of year to take a, a long break like that. I agree. It was directed by Bob Klein and written by... The writing duo Marty Eisenberg and Robert Skurr. Hmm. Now, we haven't seen these two since episode 231, Kingdom. Well, welcome back, Marty and Robert. Yeah. And you know, as I was scrolling through episodes, I realized, and I didn't realize this at the time or I would have said something, but episode 230, Grief, was Bryn Chandler Reeves' last writing credit on the show. Oh. Yeah, I guess that divorce went through. Oh, shit. <laughs> Michael got gargoyles in the divorce. I was about divorce. to say, <laughs> he got gargoyles. <laughs> and that's kind of a shame, because she was a fave. Yeah. Well, before we begin today, everyone, Liz and I want to remind all of the listeners to head into their podcatchers of choice, leave Defenders of the Night a five-star rating and review, because it's the only way to free us from the mirror universe. We need your help. Please. It's been a very long time and it's getting scary in here. Everything is reversed. I can't read any of my (laughs) t-shirts. I guess we shall do this, huh? Yes. All right. So this week's episode begins as most others have. Riding the waves of a desolate ocean. Dreamboat and Goliath, they are longing to return to New York City. They're pining for it. Oh, God. When suddenly, Liz, what the fuck? It's not enough that Goliath gets hit by electroshocks every single episode or lasers or whatever. Now he has to be struck by motherfucking lightning. Just struck by lightning. Whoops, lightning. (laughs) No, I have to say, though, I thought it was really cute when he was pining for home and he referred to the trio. I was like, oh, he calls the Brogoyles the trio that's so fucking cute and hudson and hudson (laughs) the trio and hudson i miss them so much (laughs) liz did you notice how everyone reacted here like dreamboat and angela they don't freak the fuck out like i feel they should have that is fair that was like step one of everything not being what it seems yeah they're like whoa no that And then Goliath does fall to his knees, but he isn't dead or unconscious or anything. (laughs) I guess he's just so used to getting hit by lasers and electro bolts. He's like, ah, whew, yikes. He's worked up a tolerance to it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. He just constantly has low levels of electricity running through his muscles at all times. (laughs) Not enough to give him powers, but enough to just have him buzzing. Yeah, yeah. Who needs booze when you got nature's buzz? (laughs) I'm I'm always calling electricity nature's buzz. (laughs) (laughs) That's why when I don't have any beer in the house, I just pop open an electrical socket and I just jam a fist in there. A whole fist? Not even like a finger? Oh, no. I just go hard. (laughs) There's a a fog of a different color rolling in as Goliath recovers. And we look up to see, Liz, it's the Statue of Liberty. Huzzah! Except Lady Liberty has seen better days. Yeah. The statue is trashed, man. Damn you all to hell! (laughs) You blew! Anyway, they're all confused and worried, and Angela's like, (laughs) Angela, fuck you. Dad, this 
is the world you've been so excited for me to see? I don't- This trashy? <laughs> He's like, no, you dumb idiot. Of course not. This is not how it normally is. Something is very wrong here. <laughs> yeah, she's like, not really living up to the expectations. This shit is whack. <laughs> Dad. Everyone's kind of freaking out about this whole dystopia thing. When the boat is spotted by some kind of all-seeing eye that just pops up out of some- Is it just out of some trash pile floating? In the river? I don't even know. It could just be a camera. I don't know. What is this thing? Attention. By entering these waters, you are violating Manhattan national sovereignty. Prepare for apprehension. So, Liz, is it Manhattan that has national sovereignty or all of New York City? I thought all of New York. Okay. Maybe I just misunderstood. I was in and out of being interested in this episode. (laughs) Like, it got me, and then it lost me, and then it got me again, and it lost me. I think overall, I I would say it was solid. I didn't like the ending. Obviously, we will get there. For me, it was interesting because it felt like way longer than it's normal, like 22 minutes. I don't know, it's just because so much was happening that it felt like it was like 40 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that. I wonder why that is. I don't know. Hey, Liz, was that Owen's voice? That's what I thought. Me too. Because it's the only instance of Owen we get this entire episode. Yeah, I wonder why. He's old and dead i don't know he doesn't seem any older than matt though which oh my god when we get to matt all right tuck it away for now okay so after this announcement you know about national sovereignty and whatever the gang's boat is exploded and they are immediately attacked by deluxe's iron clan did you see that they have robo goatees they have robotees I thought that that was a nice upgrade to the design. I mean, he had 40 years to figure something out. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he did. They're exactly the same. They just have goatees. He's like, oh, I know. They need to look even more like me and less like Goliath. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I haven't seen that dude in like 40 years. So um, time for a design upgrade. (laughs) Well, Dreamboat is immediately grabbed. Yeah, and I never saw what happened to Angela. I assumed also grabbed. But they don't show it, right? I don't think so. I I wound back. What? I rewound. I backed up on the video. <laughs> and I feel like this is a VHS or something. Yeah, you know, I'm very old. <laughs> I took the tape out. I put it in the, the rewinding machine and then, you know, a little bit. And then I popped it back in. I tried to watch it again. Still didn't notice where Angela ran off to. I thought maybe she escaped and we'd meet up with her later. No. <laughs> so these robots, they try to run off with Goliath, too. One of them snatches him up, drags him down to the briny depths and then blasts. Yeah, I was a little confused. I was like, Betty, are you trying to drown him or steal him? Because you're doing both. (laughs) Little of column A, little of column B, whatever works best, you know? (laughs) A weird, like, boat thing. Some sort of hydrocraft. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, like it seemed like it was water friendly, but also air friendly. (laughs) It has claw. And a very handsome older man. Who is this older man, Liz? Well, we find out. It is Detective Matt Bluestone! Illuminati King? Matt Bluestone? Yes. Which Goliath is like, who are you? And he's like, buddy, that's rude. (laughs) Don't you recognize me? And he's like, no. (laughs) I have face blindness. Have we met before? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know who this handsome silver fox is standing in front of me with a very hot bod. (laughs) Wow. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Are you going to be able to see regular Matt Bluestone? It's going to be very disappointing. <laughs> Do you think that Matt Bluestone in the present in 1995 is kind of pudgy <laughs> and he had to like get toned for this dystopian future? <laughs> no, I mean, obviously Matt has like a fine body, but well, he wears those baggy in mid 90s suits, you know? Yeah, he might have a dad bod under there. We don't know. 
He's very broad-shouldered, though. You know what I don't appreciate? I often see when redheaded people finally start to lose the color, it's white. Yeah. You don't really see a gray hair redheaded person in, in their later years. I don't think redhead people go silver. Yeah. It's the coloration of the hair. It's the genes. It only goes white. Right. So this kind of let us know that Matt dyes his hair. <laughs> 90s Matt is a not a natural redhead. Yeah, that's true. Either that or the, you know. No, it's the thing I said. It's got to be that. He's not a real redhead, which is a bummer. This show and its animation, it's flawless. <laughs> so they're chatting and Goliath is shocked to discover some of his pals are uh, still kicking, I guess. And, and old. <laughs> obviously old. We're 40 years in the future. They head back to their base. And it's also been 40 years and Claw still won't speak. Now, remember when we first met Claw, he just was refusing to speak. Yeah. We're still going with that, huh, buddy? Poor buddy needs some hardcore therapy that no one will give him. I mean, at a certain point, you just have opinions you want to share again, right? I thought he was going to have more of a personality finally, but... Yeah. He looks like he's been through the shit, but I don't know. I mean, he saw Avengers Endgame and didn't say anything about it. (laughs) This guy saw Titanic and had no opinions? <laughs> He's like, oh, man, that that car scene, though, with the hand and the window and the fog. Jack could have fit on the door. <laughs> so they leave the ocean. <laughs> That's how I would word it, too. Bye, ocean. <laughs> and obviously, this whole time, Goliath is like, uh... Dreamboat and Angela. And they're like, there's no time for that, sir. We need to get you to safety. Well, he's worried about him, but like, we don't know where they are. Like, just chill out. There's literally nothing he can do about it right now. One step at a time, pal. But he is shocked that they're just like prancing him through the mean streets of New York and no one seems to give a fuck. (laughs) They're what? Prancing him through the mean streets. They're prancing him through? (laughs) Yeah. What is this, a meadow? (laughs) They gotta get their happiness somehow. (laughs) You know, the world is a hellscape, but we gotta do our daily prancing. (laughs) We keep up morale. (laughs) So, Liz, they are doing their daily prancing, yes. (laughs) And then what happens? Well, so Goliath questions, like, why does no one care? And they're like, because you're not the scariest thing that we're dealing with, all right? Like, this is not all about you, Goliath. (laughs) (laughs) So in the sky, we see Iron Clan bots patrolling the air. And then out of nowhere, are these Talon bots? I thought so. Or like Talon clone slash cyborgs? Yeah, that's why I was not quite sure. They all look like Talon, so they could be clones, but they are heavily modified with robot parts. So either they're robots designed to look like Talon, or they are clones of Talon who have also been cyborg enhanced. I couldn't tell which. And that's terrifying. It's not great. (laughs) Things aren't looking so hot in the old NYC. No. And from there, on top of Xanadu headquarters, a big alarm starts going off. Yeah, that's scary, too. This whole episode is kind of scary. And we get projections of Deluxe's face, Hunger Games style, talking to the streets of New York. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, he's just calling to let everyone know that the age of Xanatopia is near. That's fine. Everyone's suffering is about to come to an end. And that sounds great. Because you know what I don't like, Liz? Suffering. 
it sucks. It does suck. But based on the state of things, I don't think he really cares about any of that. <laughs> no, I think that he was just spending a long time kind of figuring how to bring about the age of Xanatopia. He saw the world around him. And he's like, oh, God, this kind of sucks. They need Xanatopia. I need to figure it out. And then everyone's suffering will, will end and everything will be awesome. Deluxe is a good guy. Always. <laughs> he's always looking out for humanity. Whatever. Now, did you notice that when the Talon bots are marching through the streets and they like put a lot of emphasis on this woman in the picture frame she's holding and they smash her picture? Yeah. I think the woman in that photo was Captain Pantsuit. Absolutely. So I'm curious who this woman is to her, like future daughter or I don't know. A girlfriend? Yeah. You know? Anyway. Well, obviously seeing the floating head of Deluxe pisses off Goliath a lot. And he's like, I must see Deluxe now. No, he demands to be taken to the clock tower. Oh, yeah, yeah. That clock tower right there? And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a crumbling <laughs> building. It's just rubble and debris, buddy. Uh, and the worst part about it is Hudson's chair was destroyed. <laughs> Probably. We got to get off these mean streets, Liz. We got to go to the Resistance HQ. Now, upon entering the hideaway, we're shown what appears to be a bronze statue of Hudson, the first hero of the Resistance. Now, I had a quick question. Who made this solid bronze statue? Who had the time during the Resistance? Yeah. I feel like that's a thing that happens like 10, 15, 20 years after the Resistance has finished. <laughs> yeah, then you honor the fallen heroes. Yeah. But during the dystopian, never-ending war, we're making statues. And again, who made this? Is Matt Bluestone, is he a, a metalsmith? Of course he is. I'm not going to lie, though. It made me really sad being like, oh, Hudson's dead. Even though, like, in the back of my brain, I'm like, there's something off about this whole episode. Like, I don't think this is actually reality. But even still, seeing that, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so Hudson died 32 years ago when Deluxe conquered New York City and declared it a sovereign nation. Okay. <laughs> sure. Goliath notes here that Deluxe does not look 40 years older, and apparently it's because he figured out his whole immortality thing. But he did it immediately. We know he's been obsessing over that, so I guess we're supposed to believe that one of his many failed attempts of immortality that we're currently working through, he finally got one that works. Yeah, he went back to <laughs> Coyote and was like, hey, so we didn't really get to finish our discussion, R.E. Immortality, can you hook me up, bro? Yeah. There's a lot of confusion going on, but luckily someone arrives to deliver some clarifying information. And it's motherfucking Brooklyn. He looked pretty awesome. Yeah, he enters the scene in some pretty slick dystopian body armor. And I gotta say, well, I guess it's pretty typical. He's got a little bit of a bad attitude. I get it. It sucks that you haven't seen your friend and leader in 40 years, but perhaps there's a reason behind that. And instead, you're just going to be angry. Not just angry, Liz. He walks up to Goliath and punches him in the face. Goliath, he flies back through the air, out of the scene, and directly into a commercial break. That takes skill. Thanks for listening. Help others find our show by rating and reviewing on iTunes. Check out CalamityCast.com for even more content. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get in touch and let us know how we're doing. If you like what you hear and you want to help keep the lights on, consider becoming a regular CalamityCast contributor on Patreon. Or if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do so at PayPal.me CalamityCast. We appreciate your support and your donations truly make a difference. Knocked me into even bringing it back. <laughs>
from commercial break. That's one hell of a punch. Yeah. You flew out of the show into an ad break, out of the ad break, back into the show. I don't know how you piloted that being punched. (laughs) Well navigated. So we have an angry Brooklyn who's looking pretty awesome. Yeah. He's like, you abandoned us 40 years ago. Without you, this is what happened. Like, really? Don't you think this would have happened even if Goliath were here? He's one gargoyle. Yeah, you didn't think to train and prepare and make plans for Deluxe's inevitable takeover. (laughs) You were the leader at that point. And you've had 40 years to figure out being a leader. And then Liz, the most horrifying thing to ever appear in a gargoyles episode walks in the room. Oh my God. It is a fucking eyeless Broadway. What the hell? Also, why is he a different color? I did notice his coloring was off. Way more green than normal. Maybe it's because of the end. Maybe. But not even like, oh, I'm blind, straight up missing eyeballs. Yeah, just cavities. Which makes no sense to me, because when we see another character later who is very robotic, I'm like, well, why didn't they just give him robo eyes? Because robo eyes don't exist. What are you talking about? (laughs) But it's very scary. I'm like, could we at least put fake eyes in there or like eye patches? Some googly eyes. (laughs) I meant like... (laughs) That'd be fun. Gotta make the best of a bad situation, right? And he has like all sorts of like scars and like he looks rough. He looks like a rag doll that someone ripped its head off and then sewed it back on. Jesus Christ. (laughs) He is this way because he teamed up with DQ, Maggie, and Talon to save some humans from the Ultra Pack. And things went tits up. Yeah. He was the only survivor. Yeah. They're like, he's the lucky one. Oh, what the fuck happened to the rest? Yeah, that's true. I assume they all died, but I guess in this world, there are worse fates. Goliath doesn't love any of this. (laughs) That is putting it lightly. (laughs) Guys, guys, not a fan of whatever's happening. Don't enjoy it. And he's like feeling guilty that all this was going on and he had no idea. And he just feels hopeless. He's like, I don't know. Like, what can I do? Mm, If there was only some way to solve this issue. (laughs) And Brooklyn is like, do you still have the Phoenix plate? Well, I mean, kinda. Let's have Goliath explain it. Time is like a river, correcting its course against any change. History cannot be altered. History cannot be altered, he says. He fucking plucked Griff out of the past and dropped him in 1995. What is he talking about? (laughs) He literally used the plate to change history. And it worked out. Go back in time and fix New York City, you fucking asshole. I don't know if it's just like the difference of writers between like the time travel episodes versus this. I'm like, when have we given a shit about altering anything in any of the time jump episodes? I don't know. I mean, that is exactly what he wanted to do in that first episode where we meet Griff, is go back in time and fix shit. Well, (laughs) instead of doing this very obvious thing, Goliath wants to rescue Angela and Dreamboat, because I'm sure they'll be big help, and topple Deluxe from his throne. (laughs) That's not a plan. That's an outcome. Right. <laughs> What's the plan, dude? I don't know, but oh no. Demona shows up. Oh, no. And he immediately is like, what is this bitch doing here? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know what's going on in this new era. So maybe don't try and literally rip her head off quite yet. 
This is when things get weird. Yeah, Liz, what the fuck is she doing here? Goliath is like, she's on our side now. And he's like, you could say that. Kinda. He's like, hello, my love. And she's like, hello, darling. And the look on Goliath's face. (laughs) That is my ex. (laughs) And it might be your mom. What are you doing? (laughs) Right. That's literally what I want to know. Like, we don't know who his parents are. Like, it very well could be Goliath and Demona. I mean, maybe his mom is for Loco, but do you want to chance it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Goliath says something like, I thought she was fucking Thalog. Like, yeah! she couldn't have had a, a different boyfriend in 40 years, you clueless fuck. Oh, at least with Thalog, it's like she's still with me because I don't actually want her, but like. Yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn says something like, Goliath, man, Thalog died in Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. <laughs> right. When they said the Clone Wars, I was like, is this Star Wars? Like, what is suddenly happening here? <laughs> I do like how Brooklyn says it in a tone that would suggest that Goliath knows what he's talking about. He's like, dude, come on. Clone Wars. <laughs> Goliath is like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, Clone Wars, right? Mm-hmm, gotcha. <laughs> I didn't know that Thalog died in the Clone Wars, which I am very familiar with. <laughs> And then because we haven't seen him yet, Lex finally appears. He is a cyborg. Sure. Which they never explain. No, no, they don't. Goliath asks him what his deal is, and Lex delivers my well-documented least favorite line of dialogue in history. No time for explanations. Lex, what are you talking about, bro? Half of this episode so far has been explanations. There's an extra minute. You got it. (laughs) No? All right. So we never get to know why he's mostly robot. Because. It's fucking cool. It is. Well, we got to go to the war room, Liz. Yeah. To watch some TV. So then we learn that Fox is working against Deluxe somehow. Again, we don't really get a whole lot of information here, but she's on the resistance side. Something, something. I don't know. But Liz, you misspoke because she is not fighting against her husband. He is fighting against his dad. Who's he? Fox. Oh, I thought they were saying Fox and their son. No, this is dude Fox. Oh, well, why are they calling him Fox when his name is Alex? Her name's not really Fox. Well. (laughs) You didn't notice he has a big fox over his eye? I don't think I did notice that, actually. I was distracted by his. uh, His glorious mullet. And his ginger beard. (laughs) Yes, Liz, this is dude Fox. This is Alexander Aldelux. We are then somehow treated to some well-shot footage of Al and Deluxe fighting somewhere in the Eerie Pyramid, which (laughs) I was like, are we supposed to know what that is? No. (laughs) No. Do the Deluxe men just have drone cameras following them all the time? How are we watching this fight? on a screen in the war room, Liz. I don't know, but Alex is like, I have this on camera, so everyone is witnessing it. And Deluxe is like, yeah, I know, son, because I'm using the frequency that you're using, so now I know where they are so I can attack them. And he's like, oh, fuck, you got me again, Dad. It's a trap. (laughs) Yeah, that's a bummer. (laughs) Whoops. And then they, like, disconnect the frequency, something, something, something. Wow, Liz, did you watch the episode? I did, but like (laughs) this whole scene was weird. And like, I don't feel like we really learned anything other than. We did not. It had just as much of a point as the rest of the episode. I kept wanting to say that this scene was pointless, but kind of all the scenes were. 
when you think about it. Well, and I have a question. Trying not to spoil things. I know, I know. It's like, I have a question about this scene, but I can't ask it because spoilers. Okay. Alex is Fox. Yes. Fought his dad, then died. Yes. In the eerie pyramid somewhere. Which. Is a place. Yes. And I think we have to move on because (laughs) we are introduced to a character who immediately dies. We don't care. Right. Yeah. So Lex is like, well, I was able to get their location. And is this when he said like it's in like the great room of the castle? Yeah. The castle is in the pyramid. The thing about, I guess the thing that confused me, the pyramid being that huge building that we saw outside. But I mean, I don't call that a pyramid. That really didn't have four sides. It had like some weird towers and stuff, but... I mean, I'm not going to describe what a pyramid looks like, but this wasn't (laughs) it. This does not look like a pyramid. So that's why I was confused. But also, it's already the world's biggest skyscraper with a castle on top of it. Why did we have to add other weird things to it? Because it needed to be a pyramid for reasons, Liz. And we need to look more futuristic. Yeah. So our resistance HQ is certainly going to be destroyed soon. And we need to formulate a plan and attack... This quote-unquote pyramid. <laughs> got to rescue Angela Dreambo. Got, we got a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. I guess also kill Deluxe if we get around to it. So Matt's foot soldiers are going to plant explosives around the base of the pyramid. And our winged pals will head in from above. It's not a well-defined plan, but it's what we have. It's a plan. Something. <laughs> it's better than Goliath just being like, so we're going to go in and get Angela and Dreamboat and then kill Deluxe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's part of a plan. We need to, you know what? We got to move on, buddy. You helped. You helped. Goliath, thank you for the help. Good job, buddy. So Brooklyn says they got to skedaddle before they get nuked. Nuked. Dropping a nuke on their location would surely destroy most of the city. So I don't think we're in any danger of being nuked. <laughs> we can still go. We should go. Into the New York sky we go. The winged ones get in position and wait for the fireworks to begin. And this is when Demona finally like acknowledges Goliath and is like, our daughter is here. You must go save my daughter. There's just something about Demona this whole episode that felt not right. (laughs) Well, Liz, I feel like we could say that about literally every character. I mean, yeah, that is very, (laughs) very true. Demona wants Goliath to find Angela, give her the phoenix plate, and have her hide in the past. And Goliath, in turn, tells Demona, no. At this point, I was getting suspicious why everyone was harking on the phoenix plate so much. Like, they were drawing too much attention to the phoenix plate. Yeah, Because how does Demona know that Goliath still has the Phoenix Blade? Right. That felt really weird. Maybe she was just waiting in the other room when he and Brooklyn were having that conversation. So that's how she knows. My ex-lover and current lover need to have a conversation. I'll just awkwardly wait out here. You know what? I'm going to make some tea. I'll wait for a more dramatic moment to enter the scene. (laughs) Goliath says hiding is never the solution. Never. (laughs) I mean, he could hide her, deal with Deluxe, and then bring her back. And it would be like she never left. He's being a stubborn asshole and everyone else is being weird. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess his behavior now is speaking to the end of the episode, but it doesn't make any sense in the moment because we know he's used it before. Right. The idea that hiding is never the solution is wrong. 
That doesn't make any sense, and it's so very wrong. Yeah, there's plenty of times in history that people have had to hide in order to survive. Yeah, you idiot. (laughs) I mean, I think the most well-documented thing that I can think of is when Wolverine hid when he was a POW in Japan, and uh, the prison camp he was in was nuked. Oh. Nobody saw the Wolverine, but it happened. (laughs) It was a the Wolverine joke. (laughs) Whatever. What the fuck are we talking about? Hi- okay, hiding. And then explosions. Yeah, so the explosions are going off. The Powgoyles go to his energy towers. It's totally empty. Something about Lexington is able to use his cyborg powers to check on everyone else. Yeah, how is he viewing Matt? I don't know. He was like, oh, let me just turn my eye and log it into whatever system so I can see what's going on. Yeah, this is another drone situation where Matt must just have a camera following him around. (laughs) And then Matt and everyone else dies and they like don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, ooh, no time to grieve because out of nowhere, an army of Thalog clones march in. We are all Diane, remind me to get cherry pie filling. Dude, what are you... Oh, come on, man. I told you, I don't even like David Lynch. Yeah, but you've never seen Twin Peaks. You might really like it. You never know. There is absolutely no way I'll get into that show. And I'll prove it. Okay, uh, I'm intrigued. How? I'm going to watch every single episode and co-host a podcast where we discuss all the ways in which I can't stay in the show. Yeah, that seems counterintuitive. Uh, I hope it's funny at least. You bet your cherry pie will be. <laughs> Funnier than that, I hope. Shut up! Subscribe to the Black Lodge Complaint Department on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And check us out at CalamityCast.com. Dude! Dude! And also we're falling. We're plummeting. <laughs> okay. Well, we're still at Xanadu Towers and our Palagoyles are completely surrounded by Thalog shock troops. Oh, no! And Brooklyn yells out an order to Broadway to hit him! Way ahead of you, Brooke. And then he, he pushes a button on his collar, and that causes all of Thalog's to get a bad headache? <laughs> it seemed like whatever he did didn't take the Thalog's out of the fight. It just kind of, like, shocked them a little bit. Yeah. And not to nitpick, <laughs> it's not a big deal, but Broadway, you were not way ahead of him. You didn't push the button until after Brooklyn said something. It's not like you were in the process of doing this. Yeah. And, oh, that's my cue? Okay. Focus up, pal. <laughs> we are in the middle of a battle. I like that um, all of them have, like, new resistance outfits, but they're still all wearing loincloths. Really didn't even notice that. <laughs> Are they new loincloths, at least? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. You gotta update your wardrobe every once in a while. Every 40 years or so. You know what we forgot to mention earlier is that the collar that Broadway is wearing is a sonar device. That's how he's able to get around. They gave zero detail as to how this thing would work, but it allows him to use a sonar ability. So that's neat. We get some fighting. This is a fight where you think the good guys will prevail, but instead Lexington is kidnapped and Broadway is laser blasted in the back. And oh boy, he dies in Goliath's arms while Goliath is explaining to him how gargoyle healing abilities work. Yeah. Just hold on till the sun comes up and you'll turn to stone and you'll be healed. And Broadway, who's actively dying, is like, yeah, no, I I know. <laughs> Not enough time there, pal. And then he's like, oh, the sun, do you see it? Do you see it? I didn't like it. It was sad. And it was too sad. Yeah, I actually maybe cried. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> like, that got me. And Goliath cries too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, 
Oh, shit. I'm a sympathetic crier. All right, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) He's miffed that everyone he loves keeps dying. Literally everybody. Yeah, he's pretty upset. And the people that are still alive are fucking each other. (laughs) Yeah, that's uncomfortable. So we've got Brooklyn, Demona, and Goliath, and they burst into the main hall of Xanadu Towers, ready to rip everyone's dicks off as he shouts, Show yourself! And then they're trapped in a cone of light, Liz. (laughs) I was wondering, did you recognize the sound that the cone of light made as they were transported? I don't think so. Well, I'll give you a hint. We heard it last week when a very sexy elven king disappeared. (gasps) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we were talking about how much we liked that sound. Yeah, and how we'd never heard it before. We only heard it when the elven king, well, the king and queen, they reappeared and disappeared. But do you remember the question I posed? It's a whole week ago. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) I asked... If you thought that Puck also made that sound. Oh, my God. Listen, I'm not saying anything at this point. I'm just asking questions. Just asking questions, you know? Huh. Yeah. Shit's wild. So, Liz, this is when shit got really, really fucking confusing for me. They are transported to the Matrix? (laughs) Is Deluxe Ultron now? What is happening? Yeah, I felt like we were back in, like, the mindscape of DQ. Yeah, but when we were in the mindscape of DQ, Goliath's physical body remained. Yeah. So, throughout the rest of the episode, I was just like, what are we doing right now? (laughs) Where did their physical body go i don't know we talk about how you have to assume the writers didn't really consider that people might think this hard about shit like this <laughs> so you think you can get away with a lot but here we are and i am just elbows deep into wondering what the fuck is going on here trying to pull it apart and piece it back together in a way that makes sense and i never did <laughs> i mean until they give us the ending i'm like oh well fuck you. yeah But we do know that Angela and Dreamboat are here in the same space, and they are tied up. Yeah, the women heroes of our show are damseled, of course. And this is when we learn that 32 years ago, when Deluxe and Hudson had their big fight where Hudson dies, Deluxe's body was also destroyed, but he managed to not die? Yeah, he downloaded his consciousness to the internet, to a computer. You know, very, very mid-90s technology chat where they're like, people don't know that much about computers or the internet yet, so we can just say things and it works. (laughs) But hey, he achieved immortality, technically. He did. It's a technicality, you fucking loser. You're not living like a god king. (laughs) You're living like (laughs) Windows 95 is immortal, dork. So his Big evil plan is to spread his consciousness like a virus across the internet, and then he'll be on every computer on the planet. Oh, no, I guess we'll just unplug them. (laughs) These are computers in 1996, dude. Not even all computers. All computers that happen to be connected to the World Wide Web. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I guess it's not 1996. It's what, 2036? So, fine. I didn't really consider that when I was making my pithy comments in my notes. (laughs) They're in cyberspace, maybe. (laughs) Sure, we'll go with that. And Deluxe can have the sun rise and then the gargoyles turn to stone, even though the sun is not real because we're in the internet. And then is the stone real? (sighs) Never figured out how we're supposed to view this, but Deluxe turns the gargoyles to stone. (laughs) Okay. Which means Demona turns to human because she still has those powers. Yeah. Also, okay. While Stone Deluxe is like, well, you're Stone now. I'm just going to murder your daughter and your friend. (laughs) So Angela and Brooklyn 
are shattered. Yeah, and this really upsets human Demona. So she jumps at Deluxe, but she's really no match for his electro gloves, and he gives her the shocker of a lifetime. <laughs> God. And she dies, kind of. Yeah. Except for maybe her body's not really there. I don't know. But she manages to tell Goliath before she dies. <laughs> yeah, mid-dying. <laughs> Your will is strong. None of this is real. You can wake up. <laughs> you can defeat him if your will is stronger than his. Come on, tough guy. He does wake up, but he doesn't become regular Goliath. He's just awake stone Goliath. Yeah. And they fight. Or really, Deluxe turns his body into a big spiky top. <laughs> he shreds Goliath into gravel, leaving only his head. <laughs> and Goliath is like, you're not going to win this fight. Yeah. Lux has some pithy comment, you know. Something about biting his knees. What are you going to do, bleed on me? <laughs> but no, Liz. Instead, Goliath rematerializes all of his stone bits, crushing Deluxe's body in the process. And now Deluxe, too, is dead. So Goliath saves Dreamboat and wraps her up in his wings. And totally not magic transports them back to the main hall of Xanadu Towers. That's definitely not magic. <laughs> so they're back in the Great Hall from, seriously, where the fuck were they? And it turns out that Lexington was the real bad guy all along. Right before that, when you were, when you were just saying, like, what, what is even happening? <laughs> my comment in my note says, I feel drunk right now. What is happening? <laughs> like, it felt like just like a really trippy drug fog or something like i'm like i don't know what is happening <laughs> yeah they're really keeping us on our toes here it turns out that while everyone else was occupied with the end of the world lexington was downloading the deluxe virus now he's gonna be king of the world, I'm the king of the world! what okay <laughs> liz this makes even less sense than the matrix part earlier yeah because According to Lexington, Deluxe really did die 32 years ago. Yeah. And he's been faking Deluxe's rule over New York City so Lex could secretly be in charge. And Goliath rightfully accuses Lexington of being a traitor. Right. To which Lex responds, no, you betrayed the clan when we needed you most. Liz, <laughs> they needed him most to defeat. Lexington, as it turned out, because Lexington was the one that's actually doing all of this. What the fuck are you talking? He didn't betray you. He disappeared. Right. He disappeared. And then you took over as his main bad guy. What? So there were, what, 12 years between Deluxe dying and you taking over and Goliath being gone. So like, I guess in those 12 years, like when did Deluxe actually start doing shitty things that resulted in Hudson and him fighting? I don't know. So I was like, I guess... Deluxe was doing shit. Sure. But Lexington decides, oh, instead of that actually being over because Hudson ended it, uh -huh. I'm going to continue this? Yes, Liz. That is exactly what they're telling us. And somehow Goliath is the bad guy for all of that. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't even know what to say. It doesn't track at all for Lexington's character. I agree. Well, so Lexington's really mad. And so they fight? I mean, really, Lexington goes in for the old face hugger surprise, but <laughs> Goliath rips Lexington off his face like a tick and just throws him into the computer terminal. Just fling! Yeah. And that kills him. So much death in one episode. And because, as we all know, computer terminals and things of that nature are actually bombs that are just ready to explode at any moment. <laughs> Everything starts blowing up around Goliath and Dreamboat, and so 
they flee the building and they fly off and they don't make it very far because Goliath gets hit by some midair debris. So they crash land on the streets below. Yep. We are really pushing this reveal to the last possible moments. At this point, Dreamboat now joins the parade of people trying to have Goliath use the Phoenix Plate. Again, still not a bad idea. Though she gets really weird about it. She asks for it. It's like, hey, you are too weak. Give me the Phoenix Plate. I'll take care of business. Give it to me. And he's like, I mean, it's right here. Just fucking grab it. (laughs) She's like, no, no, no. You need to hand it to me. I really, really need you to physically hand it over, pal. Don't ask why. Just, I need you to pick it up and put it in my hand. He's like, here it is. It's on the ground. He took it out. Just go for it. It's right here. And he like, suddenly he just sits up. He's like, wait a damn second. (laughs) Just give it to me, Goliath. Hand it to me. All of this is very weird. (laughs) Yeah. Why? I I was nearly dead, but uh, I feel re-energized right now. (laughs) WT fuck are you asking me this for? Like he really just like pops out of near death and he's like, hold on. Wait a minute. You almost got me, you little rascal. (laughs) Speaking of rascals, Liz, it's probably the show's greatest rascal has been behind it all along. I mentioned him earlier. It's Puck. He went through this whole rigmarole just to get the Phoenix plate. (laughs) So... His plan this whole time <laughs> was to get the plate so he could hand it over to Oberon Kenobi in hopes of getting to hang around the mortal world a little longer. Go home, Puck! But I just really like my human friends, okay? Nobody <laughs> likes you. You're a dickhead. I just have to say, I really liked that Puck literally used the phrase Big Daddy Oberon. <laughs> well, he is Puck's big daddy. <laughs> so... Puck, realizing his plan has failed, wakes Goliath up from his nightmare, and the episode is more or less over. Yeah, we wake up, and there's Angela and Dreamboat standing over him, and he's on the ground of the skiff. (laughs) On the ground of the skiff? (laughs) On the bottom of the boat. He's laying down in the boat. And they're like, what happened? You were out. And he fell into the water? Did I make that part up? Did he fall into the water? He passed out, and then had a stroke or something, and then fell overboard. (laughs) He's not wet. And they somehow got him out of the water. Like, <laughs> So was he actually struck by lightning, I wonder? Because they say it in such a way that might suggest that he just passed out or something. But he like doesn't answer any of their questions. He just like grabs the phoenix plate, makes a hole appear in the sky, and flings it into it. And he's like, goodbye. Yeah, we got to get rid of this goddamn plate. <laughs> Where did it go? Time and space and floating around and no one can ever get it. What does that mean? Okay. <laughs> You know what? It doesn't matter. Who knows? Who cares? Let's just go home already. Yeah. And I just like how he's just like, oh, I had a nightmare, Elisa. (laughs) She was scary. (laughs) And you were there and you were there and you were there and you all died. (laughs) The end. Why don't we take uh, another break? We'll come back and I've got some questions. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. Modern day Bristol, someone is copying one of the most infamous serial killers of all time, Jack the Ripper. Only this time, the story is different. A woman survives and decides to get her revenge by taking the law into her own hands. But in so doing, she awakens a darkness deep inside her. If you like suspense, thrillers, and serial killers, tune in to Jane the Ripper, an audio drama. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. 
we are back and still confused and unsure of what the hell just happened. Liz, what did you think of this episode? All in all, I thought it was actually a pretty fun episode. I didn't understand half of it and I felt like I was on drugs, but in a good way? I don't know. Like, and they had some really good emotional punches here and there. Liz, drugs are never bad. <laughs> I liked the emotional punches as well. I liked a lot of this episode, and then the ending really fell apart for me. Mm -hmm. The fact that it ended up being a who shot JR dream sequence bullshit really bummed me out because that means that there were no consequences, nothing really happened. What we saw in the reality of the situations are wildly different. Essentially, Goliath took a nap. That's what this episode was. Yeah, the only thing that happened, I guess, is he was smart enough not to give up the phoenix plate to Puck and then made the phoenix plate disappear. Which I'm just going to suggest may not have been a good idea. I feel like that's going to come and bite him in the butt later. Yeah, hey, I've got powerful tools to fight these seemingly never-ending evils that I keep running into. You know what I'm going to do? Get rid of them all. (laughs) Buddy, really putting yourself at a disadvantage here. Yeah. This episode was needlessly tragedy porn. Yeah, it really was. And I'm trying to imagine like watching this as an actual child and seeing all of your like beloved favorite characters just being dead. Yeah, that's mean to do to kids. Like I understand it's like, oh, it was a dream. None of it was real. But like in the process, it's real. It didn't need to be that way. And it really just fucks with your head because you have an emotional attachment to these characters. And like we kill them all. They're like, ah, not really. Then why? Why did you put me through that? I'm a child. They could have easily just all been imprisoned or something. It doesn't matter because none of it really happened in the show. You know, Puck says something about it. Oh, was it a dream or was it a prophecy? Shut up, Puck. Yeah, it was an illusion. That's what you do. You're not a prophet. Do you want Goliath to like show up at home sometime and like look at Lexington like, are you going to be an evil genius later? Are you going to be my enemy? No, that's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Fuck you, Puck. Fuck you. All right, well, at least... Broadway still got his eyes, I guess. Yeah. For now. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds? You know what the future holds, Liz? What? The end of our episode. Hit us! Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Defenders of the Night. And thank you to Ian, the Snake Charmer McGowan, for creating our interstitial music. Dongs. <laughs> Check him out on Instagram and Twitter at easy underscore breezy underscore Mac. And listen to more of his music at gooddeedmusic.bandcamp.com or sweetgumstl.bandcamp.com. If you want to talk gargoyles or your preferred dystopian future, use the hashtag gargoyles on Twitter, where we're at CalamityCast, Liz is at Zerknator, and I am at underscore DS Williams. On Instagram, we're at CalamityCast Network, Liz is at Elzirkle, and I am at underscore DS Williams. Find us on Facebook at CalamityCast, email us at CalamityCastNetwork at gmail.com, and visit CalamityCast.com for more of our wonderful podcasts. Y'all like our show, right? I hope so. You should go to Patreon.com slash CalamityCast and sign up to support us. A dollar is all it takes for you to prove your love. For a one-time contribution, you can always use paypal.me slash calamitycast. To check out our merch, head to our website, click the shop link at the top of the page, and buy you some. Get wild with it. (laughs) We'll be back next week with Season 2, Episode 44 of Gargoyles, and an episode of Defenders of the Night that only ever has nightmares about being back in high school. Yeah. I do get those, actually, and I can't ever find where I'm supposed to be, and I'm just wandering the halls, lost! I am 35 years old. I don't need that shit anymore. <laughs> Bye, everyone! Bye! Bye.
This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit CalamityCast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 